Here we go. Welcome to another installment of the Morning After Podcast. Mike Keller alongside Jenny Matthews, producer Tater. If he realizes we're talking, will probably join us as well. We'll see. So far, I don't think he's noticed. You want to join us? Yeah, there he is. There he is. <laughs> hey, welcome to the show, Tater. Yeah, hey, welcome. I'm no, just taking a little nap. You actually, no, you joined in like 20 seconds deep, so you're fine. Oh, okay. Well, and funny I, you said you're taking a nap. I would like to be taking a nap. I'm still worn out. We did something on Tuesday night, and here we are Thursday. In fact, we were so tired yesterday, the day the day we normally do our podcast, that we we couldn't even do it. We actually should have started with probably like a State of the Union style public apology for not releasing a new episode of the podcast on Wednesday like we usually do, and making the masses wait till Thursday. Because I know, I know, people really shape their lives and their daily schedules, especially their Wednesday schedules, around the release of the morning after episodes. No doubt about it. We apologize It's funny, though. We're laughing about that, and probably with our podcast, people don't. But I know that there are some podcasts, True Crime, that I follow that I wait. I really do wait for the next episode to come out. And when it doesn't come out on schedule, I'm like, what's going on here? I have to know. Who killed who? It's no different than, say, you know, I think even more back in the day now, but like TV shows. You remember... You remember these TV shows? When did they start taking these winter breaks? You remember that? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You'd, like you'd start, you'd, you'd get like six episodes of a brand new season of your favorite TV show that will be back. And it's like, it's not even Thanksgiving yet. And they're like, we'll be back after the first of the year. What the, where are you going? Well, even think about having to wait a week for a TV show. And when you're, when you're binging a series, can you imagine truly watching it in real time? Well, you've done that. What show did you do that so with? So recently, the best example I have that recently is Yellowstone. Yellowstone. Because we, we we didn't get into it until it was three seasons in. So we watched, we plowed through those three seasons. That show is so good. And then we were like, once the fourth season started, we're like, well, we could just try to wait it out. You can't. And I feel like a lot of people who mm-hmm. hopped on that Yellowstone train when we did get it. Like, then you're you're back to waiting for the new episode. But I will never, so we still have like the DVR at home. So we still will never like watch it right when it starts. Like say Yellowstone starts at eight o'clock. We would start it at 8.20 so we could fast forward through the commercials and we would get to the end at the same time. Right. Because that's, 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 that's how true OGs do it. It's true. Like kids these days, they just don't know the struggle was so real back in the day when yeah. we really had to wait and we really had to watch all the commercials. <laughs> and the streaming services caught on quick because you know they would release whole seasons at a time, but we would take advantage of that because people would subscribe to the service for a month binge what they wanted to and then unsubscribe. And I think Apple TV, of all the ones, kind of led the charge on this. They were like, hey, um, we're just going to release episodes weekly. That way you have to say subscribe for like three months or so. Now, hold on. You and I just both got, uh, this is so random. We both got a text at the same time. Yep. Did you get it from like a weird number? No. Okay, never mind. Mine's about some rewards for a place where I frequently shop. I, for a minute, almost had a little bit of a heart attack because I was almost thinking it had something to do with our flight tomorrow. We're supposed to go to Vegas tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And I thought, for a minute, when I think we both got an alert at the same time, I thought, oh, my gosh, what if they canceled the flight or something? No, the weather's going to be too perfect. There's no real precipitation or anything in the forecast. We are tomorrow. So as we're recording this, it's Thursday, March 3rd. Yeah, it is. So... Literally, tomorrow's going to be a wild day because you and I are going to get to Q104, um, you know, bright and early like we always do. We're going to do the show till 10. We're then immediately going to get in our cars and you, we're both going to drive north 
because then we got to get to the airport and we're flying straight to Vegas and we're spending the weekend there. That'll be really cool. Real talk. I'm actually really excited for the trip. Um, you know, I've been open about my mental health struggles and the fact that I started taking an SSRI for my anxiety because truly I joke about it a lot because I think it just helps me cope. But the truth of the matter is flying, traveling, leaving my comfort zone, big triggers for me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this is the first time since the medicine is fully kicked in that right. I'm making a trip, I got to tell you, I'm nothing but excited. I can't wait. I don't think you should ever have to apologize for um, using humor as a way to deal with situations that you're not comfortable or not happy with. I have rubbed more than a few people the wrong way because, um, well, listen, I'll use death as an example. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to cope with death. I'm also very lucky, knocking on Knock all on the everything. wood, that I have not had to deal with with a, with the death of somebody terribly close to me. I don't know, there's been some death around me, but my my core group of people are all still here and very healthy and that's and I'm very lucky for that. See, and I think but, in my life I've had so many deaths and people unfortunately very close to me that have passed that I think that that's why it's such a trigger for me. I just immediately think everything's going to end in death and tragedy. Right. It's terrible. Terrible but way to live. When we talk about things like death, I have to make it humorous. I have to, because that's my mechanism. And people, there are some people, and I understand why, who would think, wow, how tasteless and offensive that must be. And what you maybe don't understand about somebody like that, because I know there are people similar to that who are wired like me, that's how we cope. Mm -hmm. We have to cope with humor, because if we don't have humor, then we really just sink into our thoughts about the fact that, you know, we'll never see this person who we love ever again. And that's a really sucky thing to no, think about. That, but that's me with the whole anxiety thing and just yeah, ta- laughing, I guess, laughing through it yeah. has helped me cope on more than one occasion. But um, I am. I'm truly excited. Usually, I mean, like when I say it out loud and now that I'm medicated and I'm thinking more clearly, like it, now I realize the absurdity of a lot of the things that I would worry about. But when I tell you they were legitimate worries, I'm not exaggerating. No. The, the, I mean, thoughts from the plane's going to go down to... Um, the hotel is going like, to get there. This sounds ridiculous. Like the hotel is going to catch on fire. Like that. Yeah. I mean, these are terrible. I go, I go A to Z. I go to the most terrible thoughts of things that could happen. Something bad happens, Tater. How do you deal with it? Like, do you, do you use humor as kind of your defense mechanism? Cause it's, it seems like you would be the kind of guy that do that. Or maybe there's another layer to you that we haven't seen yet. No, I think I'm pretty emotional. I think I'm into like, um, it, <laughs> I like to do this where if I'm going to be happy, I'd be happy. If I need to be sad, I'm going to let me be sad, you know, let myself be sad. And if I'm mad, I get mad and just let that emotion have its time and then try to move on and then sometimes reflect on things. So, but I wouldn't say humor is something I, I try. I mean, you don't use humor as a defense because you use humor a lot in your everyday yeah. life. But when it comes to a mechanism for coping with more stressful, serious situations, you don't default to humor that surprises me i think you're yeah. actually pretty healthy in the way that you deal with things the fact that you're you let yourself feel the feelings and then try hey, to move forward so when you're feeling the anger and you're letting the anger take over are you a uh are you like a me i'm a pillow puncher like i like if i stub my toe and i just get genuinely furious like i have to hit something and so i've learned to not hit things that break i just hit like couches but i'll be like son of a mother and then i let it out and then i'm fine is that you i yell you I just yell yeah i don't punch things i, I just get mad and yell yell Bad words. Uh, a lot of them. A lot of them. Yeah. Consecutive order. All the swears. Just, that's okay. Hey, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with it. You're not hurting anybody. I mean, you might, you know, might be some virgin ears around, but other, I mean, hey, mm-hmm. whatever. It's well, all we, good. We kind of started out this conversation with talking about uh, 
that the reason we were tired is because we went out Tuesday night. We had a, a station concert. And even that, like, and I know, again, it sounds ridiculous, but I was excited to go to the concert. I was excited for our group activity because, but because normally something that breaks my routine, I probably have OCD. I've never been diagnosed with it, but like, I can guarantee you I have OCD. Right. Just so you know, this like breaking the routine and the schedule mm-hmm. would have normally stressed me out in a big way and it had all kinds of anxiety over it, but I didn't. I was like, oh, cool. I get to dress up a little bit and go sit out and have some fun. And we got to have some fun. Jenny, at this show. Jenny Matthews busted out the leather jacket. If you ever see us at a concert, yeah. Jenny's always wearing the leather jacket. <laughs> the fact that the leather jacket was out on a Tuesday night is an incredible thing. And real pants mm. and a belt and heels. Heels. Heels? That weirded me out. I know. I was like, who are you? Why are you wearing high heels? I know. This was, that was ridiculous. But it was a lot of fun. Uh, the concert we went to was our Q104 queued up concert, which is really cool because it was, it was a different kind of style. It's more popular in Nashville. Uh, shout out to our friends at uh, Team Cocktail and Barstool Sessions. They do like a local version of this every month at Chicken and Pickle. But it's where you have multiple artists on the stage at the same time. They've got nothing but their acoustic guitar and a bar stool. They just sit down. They perform all their songs just by themselves. And then usually in between, and they'll go like back and forth. Like Morgan Evans performed first, and then Russell Dickerson performed, and then Joe, Joe Nichols. And then they just kept going back and forth, and they would share stories between songs, stories about the songs. They would converse with each other. I know Morgan uses the, uh, Morgan Evans uses the foot pedals to like, so, so he can have like a, he he was giving himself his own beat. drum beat mm-hmm. and then and then looping it and things like that and, and had this whole big sound going and Joe Nichols was was set to sing and Joe looks over at Morgan and he says hey man can I borrow your band and I thought that was very funny <laughs> I was like that was great. clever so um but no it was it was really cool and I hope we keep this going and I think we will because it's a new it's not new, but it's, I think it's new to a lot of Kansas City, unless you've been to Nashville and seen a show like that. It's a different way to do a show, and it doesn't work with the big stars, you know, because the big stars don't need to share a stage with them, if we're being honest. True. But you get a couple of stars who are on their way up, all performing at the same time and just sharing laughs, sharing stories. It's a, it's a cool, different concert experience. When I love that the country stars, I feel like, are down with this. They they yeah. think this is great. They're here for it. Um I don't know that I could picture pop stars doing this kind of thing. I just yeah. don't. I think it really works with the country stars. And another thing just about the country stars is having had a chance to work with all genres of of music and the celebrity types. Man, these country stars are the real deal. We were fortunate enough to get to go back and say hi. I thought honestly, I thought we were just going to be on there for on the bus for just a couple minutes just to say hey, a quick hello. Thanks for coming to Kansas City. You know, mm-hmm. we appreciate that you're here. But it was Russell's tour bus and his wife Kaylee was there, who you've told me for a long time, you're going to love her. You're going to love her so much. Because she's you. You two are very similar. Okay, then that is the biggest honor of my life to be compared to her because she is an absolute sweetheart so welcoming first of all they couldn't be more normal and just like regular people and she was so hospitable we get on the bus and she's like what can I get y'all to drink and we we were probably on that bus for like close to an hour Mm -hmm. just hanging out just talking she and I were talking about kids and Target and just like mom stuff and whatever and oh Russell overheard you talking to his (laughs) wife about Target and had to like come barge over be like if either one of you has your Target app open and you're buying stuff right now, knock it off. Like, yeah, I mean, it was just crazy that just how normal they are um, and just how kind and nice. And yeah, I start, I mean, she, man, she's my new best friend. And I know I have a new best friend every day of the week, but she really is my new one. Yeah. And, and we're very blessed. I have to be, I try to be careful with how much we talk about our backstage stuff only because we, we, we know that that's kind of a perk of the job. Not everyone gets that, but I'll, oh, but, I'll sure. but I'll tell you this. 
Uh, I know, you know, some of you listening are, are, are avid fans of certain artists. And I think, you know, there are meet and greet packages available, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for you to purchase for your absolute favorite star if you wanted to. And I would, I think if you if you ever decide to make that, pro- I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend this absurd amount of money to meet my artist. It better be a country artist because I think the country artists are absolutely the best at making sure that those fans get their money's worth with their interactions. You're going to get a lot more interaction. Um, oh, yeah, I've been to meet and greets with pop stars that you just you just kind of zip right through the line, yeah. you know, maybe just a quick wave and a hello. And by the way, I didn't bring any of this up just to, to brag in no, any no, no, manner no, I know. at all. I really want to just let you know how down to earth and real Russell and Kaylee are and just it makes me like artists just a little bit more Absolutely. when you know that they truly are just good people behind the scenes and they really are. They are the real deal. Tater, who's your, who's your, Oh, sorry. Nate Barnes, by the way, we all got a chance to talk Mm -hmm. to Nate. He opened up the show and he's a total up and comer. Also a really nice guy who you can tell he's got the personality and Mm -hmm. he's, he's ready to go. I think we're going to see big things from him. Who's your favorite person you've ever met in the country music industry? It can even, it don't have to be a singer. It could be a rock. Cause I know you're a big songwriter guy. It could be a songwriter. It could be a record rep or somebody like that. Uh, it might be a tie between uh, Jordan Davis and Dirks. I thought Dirks was very, very down to earth. He was a starlight, which was a great venue. I never been there. That was kind of cool. And that's John Party was there as well. And I think that, Dude, Dirks, that guy's a riot. Yeah, John Party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have fun at y'all. That's for sure. I would have to say Dirks was was a really cool, down to earth guy. And I actually speaking about queued up. I just read a story today on Twitter. Okay. That uh, Joe Nichols used to be a radio DJ. Did he really? Yeah, he was an overnight guy at a top 40 station. And <laughs> Pop. He, and he would always, uh, he thought nobody was listening, so he would slide a Merle Haggard record in. And one time his boss, the program director, heard it, and he called up and he said, hey, I heard you play Merle Haggard. I haven't programmed Merle Haggard in 15 years. And Joe goes, oh, it must have been in the wrong case. Never happened again. Now the third and fourth time it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple times after he was told not to, the the program director said, "That's it, you're fired." So he got fired. He uh, said, and, and that's a fireable offense, by the way. Yes. Can you imagine our neighbors over at Mix playing some Merle at twelve <laughs> no. o'clock on a Tuesday? <laughs> and then he said that the uh, guy that fired him got fired a month later, and then now he went to a classic country station. He said, "My ratings must have been up." <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> I thought that was really so cool. Funny. I don't know much about Joe Nichols, and I thought that was a great story. I'm glad I read that. That's a great story. I would have never <laughs> known that about him. Now, that is not my favorite fun factoid about Joe Nichols. I found a fun fact the other day. So this is what my husband and I do after every concert. We get on Wikipedia or the internet and just, just find out all the things about all the artists. So we were looking up everything about everybody that was a queued up, and we looked up Joe Nichols just to read a little bit more about his history, and he is a lifelong St. Louis Cardinals fan. Hey, let's go, Joe! And I don't know why. Well, if we see him again, I don't know if he'll be in Vegas, but I um, We'll have to ask. I would like to know why, because I don't think he's from that area. I think he's from nearby, though. The, oh, the, okay. The, the car. So, I'm going to get too sportsy on here for just a second, but those who understand understand, like, um, there's a reason that, like, the Chicago Cubs have such a huge following across the nation. Like, a lot of people outside of Chicago love the Cubs, and that's because their games back in the day had always been broadcast on WGN. So, you couldn't see, so you could always see the Cubs, the Braves on TBS. You could always see the Braves because it was like a nationally, it was a national station. So with the Cardinals, um, growing up, they they were always big on uh, their their radio signal was huge. KMOX eleven twenty AM in St. Louis, and and, and AM stations, uh, it, they're not as easy with now with, with cell phones. Like but before cell phones, AM stations, the way they were built and their frequencies were could could broadcast for hundreds and hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles on a clear night. 
the Camel X, the big station in St. Louis, you could hear it in Phoenix. I mean, it's it's ins- and that's insane how that technology works. So okay, well, answer me this: He was raised in Rogers, Arkansas. Yeah, that's Car- Does that yeah, make sense? yeah. Arkansas okay. is, is absolutely Cardinal country, and um, but yeah, and, and so he probably heard those games, and uh, but but that but that signal that was kind of before TV really took off, and so people all across the Midwest would listen to Cardinal games because Camel X had the strongest signal out of everybody, and that's that's kind of how the the Cardinals have. And, and they are a winning franchise. And I'm not saying this to tick anybody in Kansas City off, but like, you know, they, they are an historically winning franchise. So that's going to bring a lot of fans as well. But mm. that's just a, uh, but yeah, Arkansas, and like, like Springfield has the double A affiliate for like Springfield, Missouri. And then Memphis has the triple A affiliate. So just that whole area is, is, is pretty, is Cardinal country. Baseball talk. I'm here for it. I'm going to miss baseball this year. Can I tell you a quick story? Like, I'm really bummed out. So my best friend in the world, his name is Willie, best man in my wedding, lives in Northern California now. Runs one of those huge Amazon works, uh, uh, warehouses. Like, is in charge of the whole damn thing. It's awesome. And he lived in Hawaii in the military for several years, and I never went and saw him. And I was so mad at myself for never doing that. So I said, gosh darn it, I am going to go see you in California. Booked my plane tickets a month ago. Going to go in May, and the reason I picked May is because my my hometown Cardinals happened to be visiting San Francisco in May. And I'm like, here we go. So I booked the tickets. I told him, dude, I'm coming to see you. He's like, when? I said, May, and we're going to get tickets, and we're going to go to the ball game. Because I don't know if you know, San Francisco has an incredible baseball stadium. It's beautiful. Right over the bay, uh, Barry Bonds would hit all those home runs into the water back in the day. Uh, and I've always wanted to go to that stadium. So we booked the flight. And now look what baseball's doing. So as of right now, my game is it's like May 8th or 9th or something like that. So it's still on for now. But if baseball doesn't get their shit together, <laughs> it is I might be very you know, upset. Can we talk about that whole thing for just a minute? And I mean, look, I'm talking as a person who does not know a ton of sports information. Sure, sure, sure. But what I do know is that they're on strike, the players want more money, and the owners don't want to pay any more than they are. Is that correct? N- not all the way. Not all the way. Um, because right yes. now, the way I understand it right now, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm irritated about it. So, as am I. I think it, as all baseball fans are, it, they're not on strike. They're being locked out. The players would actually still be willing to play while the negotiations are ongoing. The players are like, well, let's play anyway. It is the owners who are imposing the lockout saying, no, you're not going to play unless a new deal is made. Do the players get paid, because they are under contract right now, right? So do they get no. paid even during the lockout? They do not. No. So they just <gasps> oh. canceled the first week of games, and the MLB said that the first week of the regular season has been canceled, yeah. and pa- and players will not be paid for the first week of games. Okay, so I totally get why they're doing that, though, because they're they're like, this this will force the players at some point to say, okay, well then we'll, well, we'll but, take what but, you're offering. And that's that's cute and all, but they're also losing money because they're not getting fans through the gate. They're not honoring TV contracts. So they have to pay those TV contracts back. It's a wild thing. Um, oh God, this is so sportsy of me to say. Did you happen to see the tweet by, is it Mike Trout? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yep. Oh my God, who am I? <laughs> Yesterday tweeted something about why his 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 reasoning, like why this is a thing mm-hmm. and why it needs to be a thing. And one of the things he said in the quote was he's actually doing it for the fans. And then I read the comments to try to understand a little deeper here because in my mind, I'm like, how, how is this helping the fans? And a lot of fans were saying what I was thinking, how is this helping the fans? Because what's going to happen is and the prices on everything is going to go up and this is going to actually hurt the fans. What he's talking about, because okay. I, can, I can explain that. Yeah is right now there is a problem with baseball, despite it being like too long and all that. All right, because I think I think it is too long. Um, but 
right now about of the third, a third of the baseball team. So there's 30 teams in Major League Baseball. I don't think it's absurd to say that 10 of them don't compete to win. They get guaranteed TV money. So no matter how bad they do, no matter how bad their attendance is, no matter how bad the product is, they still make money. And the players want that to change. Players don't want to play for a team where they know that they have absolutely zero shot and their managers don't even want them to win. That's an insane thing. That, that, I that, had no idea. That was yeah, that's going to that's gonna ruin the game. And so the players are fighting for like a way to make it more competitive. And what they want is, the, is, is everybody who owns a baseball team to have to spend a certain amount of money to make your team competitive to, to compete. Okay. And, and and then another thing, I'm, I'm just yeah, yeah. And then another thing is another big issue of this is is the minor leaguers. So we think because a lot of people are saying, oh, here we go, it's millionaires versus billionaires. It's something like uh, eighty. Oh, what is that? I don't know. My watch started yelling oh, at me. Wow. Sorry, that was I have no idea why. I did nothing. Um, but so, there's something like eighty percent of it. Mm, I don't know the percentage. So I'm not going to say that. But a, a number that is a lot higher than you think it is of these baseball players aren't even million. They're not even making a million dollars a year. Whereas the owners, since the last contract that was negotiated for this, a lot they said on average their worth, like the value of their franchises, have have gone up like forty one percent. So all of these guys are multi billionaires. Like they bought the they would have bought the team for a couple of million. Now they're worth a few billion. So like their so the owners' profits continue to go up, but players' pay isn't going up as much. And I understand that they make a lot, but like there are some minor leaguers. There's some minor league baseball players and like top prospects who make maybe 15 grand a year, mm-hmm. and like they can't afford to house themselves because you you can't live on 15 grand a year. Right. That's no, insane. And um, yeah, so there's so so the minor leaguers are a big part of it as well. And also, you know, I, I understand that it's it is you know they're talking about a lot of money. And yes, the bare minimum I think is like if you're a major leaguer is like 600 thousand, which of course is is plenty to live on. But I understand the argument of when your boss, your owner is seeing their profits go up exponentially every year and they're throwing you a couple extra pennies every year. That's <laughs> that's nonsense. Yeah, and I can see this happening in other industries, though, and I just wonder why you don't see more strikes, things like that. Is that because this is all union? and Be, yeah, just- yeah, there is a player's union involved. And also, let's again, even on, yeah, I'm making the bare minimum of $600,000, but mm-hmm. if I was making $600,000 a year and was not happy, I, I could still afford, you could afford to, to do take that. a year. I could afford to, sh- to strike or not play for have, a year to make a point. Do you have predictions on, is this going to end? Or are we going to have a baseball season? What do you think is going to happen? They need to have this solved by May 1st. In my opinion, <laughs> no, it need, and that's not because I'm going to a game, oh, but like okay. I've seen on Twitter, like May 1st is like, they, they've said that both sides expect like, you know, they're, they're just, they're both being so stubborn and especially the owners. I am so against the owners on this, but there is small steps eventually being made. And it's the, the, the experts, the insiders are saying that May 1st is a predictable day right now. If it doesn't happen by May 1st, I would expect the season to be canceled. Mm, that's crazy. Has that ever happened before? Yes. I really don't know. Yeah. 1994. Wow. And then how did it get resolved? <clears throat> Everyone lost enough money where they all, you know, put their junk away and stopped laying it on the table and said, let's just get a deal done. It, it is insane, though, and again, coming out of the world that we've been in with COVID and everything, that to, to hear that to hear these, it's on these owners, man. These owners are like, well, I don't know if I want, I, I really like $4 billion. I don't want to only make $3.9 billion. See, and it's I like struggle. these owners, man, these owners, mm. 
it, it, everyone's kind of seeing that it, it's the owners who are the players are trying to negotiate, but they're not going to negotiate against themselves. Mm-hmm. The players are making an offer, and then the owners are just saying no. But the owners aren't counter-offering. And when they're doing, remember, these men are worth billions of dollars. And then when they do make a move, they're like, okay, we'll offer you um, $10,000 more. These are multi-billionaires mm-hmm. offering 10000 more. That's like if you made a job making fifty grand a year, your, your owner and your owner, they grow exponentially. And then you're like, well, okay, their owner's like, okay, well, we'll give you an extra $500 a year. On top of your fifty thousand dollars salary, it doesn't make it. It yeah, doesn't no, make it dent. It. It's totally it's, it. it's ridiculous. So I'm, and there are people who feel different. Someone might be listening to this podcast who is more educated on this than me, who may completely disagree with me. From what I've read, though, I I am blaming the owners. I well, believe it is the owners. That's fault. why I wanted to bring it up, to be honest with you, because I again, as a non-sportsy person who's just sort of seeing the headlines, it just all seems bratty to me and ridiculous it is. in the world we're living in with so many other problems. It is bratty, but it's more bratty on the owners and and the players. And I understand that the players want a more competitive game. I mean, think about that. Yeah, I get that. I I think. Look, may he. I, I don't mean to to say anything negative about a person who is no longer with us. You know, may he rest in peace. But I I know that the previous owner of the Royals, David Glass. You all have we we can all be honest with each other. The overall history of the Kansas City Royals is a bad one. For most of the years of their existence, they have been a sub-500 team. That is because of poor ownership. Mr. Glass was not the most frivolous with his spending. I hope this new owner, Mr. Sherman, is. I like the moves he made in his first season, like just to kind of bolster the lineup a little bit. We'll see what happens. But uh, I didn't really expect to go so baseball-y today. Well, it was I didn't fun. either, but I'm, I'll I'm, be honest. I'm glad we had this chat because I understand it a little better now. I really did not. So When the owners are like, okay, we'll give you another ten grand," and they're making $4 billion, like, yeah, I get that. stop. Stop. Is it a lot of money? Yes. Do players make a lot of money once they make the major leagues? Yes. But there's more to it, especially with the minor leaguers, and especially that the owners are just continuing to make more and more money despite putting out a worse and worse product. Like they, that, there's, There should be a stand against that, and I'm happy there is. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to go from here. I do. But I'm not going to lie. I am. Uh, I, I kind of rambled on there, so I'm sorry. I kind of hogged that, but I, I've been... Oh, I was informed. Been, I don't know much about it. So. I'm following that on Twitter. We've been trying something different on the morning drive, and I love how it's going so far. And we especially do it during Camp Match Mike. And uh, if you feel it's in 7 o'clock every morning, it's four random trivia questions, me versus you. And uh, I'm usually, I usually win because I'm very smart. Um, but, Jenny, you've been doing this thing where you, you know, we want to know more about our people and who's playing. And I ask you, where, you know, what's your name? Where are you from? And then you've started asking these random questions that... <laughs> But I'm, but I'm here for these questions. Well, I like it, too, because I think we give a lot of ourselves on the air. We share a lot of personal information. And I feel like if we're a team here, if these are our people, this is our crew, our gang, if you will. Me want, and my gang. Me and my gang. I want to know a little bit more about the people. So, yeah, I found I actually found this website that lists all these random questions. I mean, there are literally hundreds of questions on here. Did you send that link, by the way? I did. I emailed it to you. You emailed it. Okay. Yeah. And I thought today on the podcast we could go through um, – just ask a few questions to each other to feel it out too, to see, is this a good random question? Because it's not like they have all day to think of the answer. I mean, they've got to come up with something pretty quickly. Right. So I don't you know what too thought. An interesting question that's easy to answer that is maybe a, excuse me, I have hiccups, not a question that's asked every day. So the list that I found divides it into categories, like questions to make conversation, uh, interesting questions to ask someone, right. good random question. The category I really like is funny random questions to ask. So I'm going to choose from that category okay. because I just don't know where this is going to go. I'm going to start with you, Tater. Yeah. 
What is your go-to song to belt out in the shower? Oh, I don't sing in the shower. I think it's kind of I weird. I don't believe you. But I, I, no, I don't. I feel like I'm, you're... Don't so, you feel like he's a belter-outer beer shower in the beer drinker song singer? You know what? I'm going to... I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but no. I can I can see him as a... I'm going to say the word hummer. Don't laugh. But <laughs> I see you more as a shower hummer. Yeah. He's like, me too. Like he's scrubbing his... You know, he's scrubbing his pits uh, and he's just going... Like I can see you more as a guy who hums in the shower. Okay. Not necessarily a full song belter. All right. Well, let's just say this. If you were going to belt out a song in the shower, what song would it be? I think Song for Another Time, Old Dominion. Ooh, that's, that's one of my favorite choice. songs. Oh, I love it. And that's really not a belting song, if you think about it. No. He doesn't really belt. He just goes, Song for Another Time. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mike, what would you do if your pet suddenly started talking? <laughs> First of all, you better call me immediately. Right. You know what? And we're laughing, but I instantly have my answer to this. What is it? I would be like, did we do a good job? Are Aww. you Are you happy? Yeah. What, are, am I doing anything wrong that like maybe I think you like, but really you absolutely hate? Oh my gosh, what a great thing to say. Yeah. I, I'm a wonderful person. You really are. I'm a and great a good, human being. Good dog dad. Ask anybody who knows, I am one of the best people ever. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Tate, I saw your face. Tate. <laughs> Tater made a face. <laughs> We're on a podcast. So he just, but Tater like turned his head. He's like, ah. <laughs> Was, that was an awesome re- I am here for that reaction. That was perfect. Oh, that's funny. Uh, okay, I'll go around the room with this one, and we're going we're going to get deep. That's what she said. Jenny Matthews, if you weren't afraid of failure, what would you do differently? I would absolutely go to law school. That's one hundred percent true. Lawyer, judge, paralegal. What's your ultimate? Lawyer, but I'd take it all the way to aspire to be a judge at some point. Defense or way. prosecution. You know, I from what I watch a lot of court TV. I feel like everybody dabbles in everything. Like typically, a defense attorney has been on the other side, so right. they they sort of understand all sides of the law, which I think is smart because yeah. then you know you know how to think about what questions the other side would be asking on a cross examination and things like that. Um, I would have to say prosecute. I'd have to say prosecutor, but here's where I struggle because the juicy stuff is by being a defense attorney. Because <laughs> you know me, I want the dirt. What did you do and where's the body? Well, there you go. <laughs> but, but I do struggle with this about defense attorneys. If you knew, I mean, because you know, you get a vibe on your client. Now, they haven't right. necessarily told you they did it, but in your mind, you're like, I know you did it, pal. Right. It would be really hard to defend somebody if, if you knew they did something atrocious. Yeah, even though it's your job. Yeah. And yeah. it is your job and everybody deserves it under the law. But. Right. Uh, Tater, if you weren't afraid of failure... What would you do differently? I would be an actor. Okay. And the thing that I think I would fail at is not remembering my lines, and Dude. that would piss everyone off. And yeah. I'd be like, "Dang it!" You know, because you see the blooper reels, and you know they're funny, but I mean, it it'd get it would probably get old if you kept on doing it. So yeah, that would be a thing. I have a terrible memory now. Mm-hmm. I could have done it when I was younger. <laughs> not now. I can't remember anything. Okay. Um. Okay. Let's see. I found another. I know it's technically your turn, Jenny, but I found yeah, another one that I want to ask because I don't know if I would have to really think about. I don't have an immediate answer to this. I'll try to answer this, but I would need to think about it for a little bit. Um, who from your past that you've fallen out of touch with would you most like to reconnect with? That's really weird that you bring that up 
because there is a girlfriend of mine, Kim, who honestly, she's the friend I've had the longest. I've known her since we were five years old, went to kindergarten together. And she was an only child. And so I think in a lot of ways, and we looked a lot alike, people would call us twins. So I feel like in a lot of ways, we were very sisterly to one another. And her dad actually just passed. And so I've been in touch with her this week. And every time I'm in touch with her, and I think like she could really use us a sibling right now to be an only child and lose your parent. Mm-hmm. You know, she could really use, I'm trying to work it to see if I can go to be there for the funeral. It, I feel like I've been a terrible friend because we don't, we've seen each other just a handful of times over the years, but it's hard because she lives in North Carolina. I'm here. It's, you know what I mean? Life is busy and it's crazy. I wish I had invested a little more in that friendship. Maybe she feels the same, mm-hmm. but I know when it comes down to it, like here's a situation her dad died, I'd be there for in a heartbeat. So Tater, who from your past that you've fallen out of touch with would you most like to reconnect with? I'd probably be the next door neighbor that I grew up next to. His name was uh, Terry, and then his sister Lori. They were, uh, you know, right there for majority of my childhood. Terry became a firefighter like his father, so I kind of like to see, you know, how li- how's life now as a firefighter because his dad grew up that way, and you know, and he kind of followed in there. And then I don't know what Lori does, so it's just like, you know, those people that you grew up with that were like neighbors. You did everything with, and all of a sudden, you don't live around them anymore, and they're just gone out of your life. You're like, what the hell are they doing? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, gone but not forgotten. And uh, okay, so I think as I've thought about it, I feel like I have kind of a strange answer because I am, I think it's okay to remove people from your life mm-hmm. that don't serve a good purpose for you anymore. I have a buddy, buddy of mine in high school who, I mean, we hung out all the time throughout high school. There was a group of us, but me and him especially, I was actually the best man in his wedding. He, he was 20. It was like a military wedding. Which, but um, he, I ended up being the best man in his wedding. And um, But he got real negative on feedback. Like before Twitter and Instagram was all Facebook, when Facebook was the absolute rage. Um, you know, we kept in touch and things like that. But he, he just started posting vile, not vile, but just, just down wants to drag everyone down with him posts on Facebook. And I've, I've, I, there, I go back and forth on how I feel about it because there are times when I really feel bad that I didn't keep in touch, but then there's actually times I'm really grateful because I wasn't in a position in my life to, to be the friend that he needed at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I kind of just kind of muted him, and eventually it turned into an unfriend because I was just like that, that is uh, some negativity that, I'm not in a good enough space. I'm in a fine space, but I'm not in that so good of a space that I can help you out with the, the demons no, that you're fighting. That. And, I, and I don't want, if I feel like if I even tried, like you reach out, like you're going to try to drag me down with you, not even intentionally, but I just, I didn't, I'm like, I'm, I need to remove myself from this person's life right now because I, I can't let it affect you know, my life. Honestly, that's a healthy thing to do that I wish that it would we could normalize that a little more mm-hmm. because it's so true. It's sort of like family. Just because they're blood does not mean that you have to have an intense relationship with a family member. You do not. If they are not mm-hmm. good for your soul and they do not feed your soul, yeah. get them out of there. Um, but as far as who I'd like to reconnect with yeah. that I've fallen out of touch with, I would like to have a better, I would like to reconnect more with some of my old radio bosses, mm. which is such a weird thing to say, but like, man, coming up. So the way I came up through my career was through small towns. You know, we came up, I mean, I came up through Lebanon, Missouri, Peru, Illinois, Columbia, Missouri, you know, like small towns, college towns. And, um, I would love to be able to like sit down with some of my old bosses who, who like some of my first coaches and just, 
talk about this is so insidery, but just like the philosophies on the industry and yeah, radio and cool. where we're at and mm-hmm. how, how important certain things are in structure and all all these nerdy things that no one knows about except us talking in this mm-hmm. podcast and just and just and like maybe have them like just listen to the show one day like the show that we're doing now as opposed to the show I did 15 years ago mm-hmm. and like hopefully maybe see like them see them look like they're proud of me yeah you know what I'm saying like because like because I know. Now I'm to the point where I've had a I've had a 15 year career like it's I I feel like now and there are like some younger talent in this building who I've uh, who who like you know I've I've been able to give Lydia Taylor our afternoon girl like I love like giving her advice and then watching her succeed with it it gives me this proud feeling um, Mallory over on Mix I've had I've gotten to work with and uh, she just celebrated a year behind the mic of her show on Mix and I'm I'm like I'm she just made this big post about it about how much she's grown in the last year and I'm like I feel. Feel like I, I play like a very small, very small part in that, but it's it's cool to see, and I'd mm-hmm. like to reconnect with the people more who coached me uh, back in the day as well. Okay, well I'm gonna lighten it up with this question. Sorry, I know. Like That's I okay. got deep, and you're going well, like, you what's did. going on? All right, Tater, if you were a ghost, who would you haunt? <laughs> <laughs> who would I haunt? Yeah, Tater, uh, the friendly ghost. <laughs> if he's still alive, this. Uh, this peeping Tom that was in the neighborhood that I grew up. I don't know why I'm going back to my neighborhood so much. He he would stand he would stand at the door with a robe on and nothing underneath. And mm. us kids would be riding by and he'd just stand there doing it on purpose. Oh, he's a creeper. Yeah, dude was a fruitcake. Dang. Yeah, you need to go haunt him and Yeah, if he's still alive, he was old then, so he's probably dead. Well, I mean, not this is terrible, but I kinda hope he's dead because he's Good probably riddance. doing creepy things if he's not. That sounds like a person that the world would be better if that person weren't a part yeah, of it. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hate I to think be that's a, blunt. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I, hate, I don't hate to be blunt at all. Um, Mike, you have Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. Who do you use it on first? <laughs> I can't answer that question on this podcast. Oh, okay. You know where I'm going with it? No. Oh, mm-hmm. I do know where you're going with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I can't go there. No, you can't go there. Uh, okay. Sorry. I know that's rude. People are like, what? Yeah, I would get I would get in a lot of trouble if I said that no, answer. And that's that. that's why I, I can't do that. And I and I can't even give you any hints as what I'm so sorry. That's so rude of me. Um, but I can give an answer. If I could lasso the truth out of somebody. You know what? I'll 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 go there. I'll go to the like uh, on the, the celebrity side to think. I would like la- like truth lasso a Kardashian. And be like, do you really think you're worth what you're worth? Like, you know you aren't really that talented, right? Like, I, I, for real. Like, you know what? I know something, though. Hold on a minute. Now, some of the Kardashians, maybe. But Kim, come on now. I mean, honestly. Kim, I, Kim I would give credit to because Kim is the first. some stuff. You, you, look, have you ever seen an Instagram ad? That's thanks to Kim Kardashian. She was the first person to advertise on social media. There's brilliance there. But the rest of her family. Also, ugh, this is so tough. I think I would truth lasso people I disagree with politically, and then and especially on certain issues, I'm like, there's no way you actually feel yeah. this way because I feel like there are some yeah. some issues that are so common sense obvious. Like, I totally agree. You with know, you. you know, you're you're an idiot, right? Like, stop it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be my answer to that okay. question. Um, okay, let's scroll down the list here. I got a question. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, when you get your socks out, which foot? Gets the first sock. Left. Ooh. Hold on, you, I gotta think about it. 
Right. A lot of people, when I ask, I, I usually ask uh, artists this because it's kind of just out of the left field and people to think, but you knew it right off the bat, Mike. That's interesting. Yeah. Left foot. I, mine's the right. Is it supposed to be the left? Does that uh, mean, mean something if it's the right? Well, it's interesting that I'm left-footed and you're right-footed, so maybe by habit people put their dominant sock on first. I bet first. it is. I think I bet so. that's the way. Yeah. There you go. Ooh, but wait, that makes me think about gloves because I would put my left glove on first because I'm right-handed, so I would use my right hand to put my left glove on. Here's the deal. When it comes to socks, by the way, you know how shoes, there is a clear left shoe and a clear right shoe? Uh-huh. Oh. I would like socks to do the same thing. I know. You know what? I'm going to go a little one step further on that. Soccer socks. Because put their, my kids have a, they have one pair that they got like with their kit. Mm-hmm. You know, their their actual uniforms. And it and it has an L and a right and an R. And I love it because I know exactly what to do here. But some of them are so straight across at the top. And then my son's one of those where if it just has the slightest amount of Get, you know, the gathering of material at the toe or whatever. I mean, he take it off, start over. It's he's got like sensory issues with that. Got it. Anyway, sorry, went off into mom. I enjoyed there. that question. Mm-hmm. At first, when you first asked it, I was like, "That's a that's a strange question." Then the more kind of we got into it, I'm like, "That was actually an interesting question." I enjoyed the conversation. Mm-hmm. If you could relive one day of your life, what day would that be? This is very easy for me, so I'm going to ask you guys first. Um, mine would be the birth of my daughter. Of course. Because it was the first time I gave birth, and I remember blips about it, but like I don't remember. Thing. No, I had the best deliveries. I didn't feel anything. I got that epidural. Mm. I didn't feel a thing. All the drugs. What All is it? Can I ask? Is epidural, that's a needle to the spine, right? It sure is. Ugh. Ooh. Yeah, but let me tell you something. When you got a baby growing, a human growing in your belly, and you're yeah. like, well, do I want to feel this or not coming out of my <laughs> vagina? I'm thinking that you would opt for the epidural as yeah, well. Yeah, and, 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 and most times there's uh there there is. TMI here, but there is some 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 tearage, some rippage. Oh, I had the rippage. Yeah, the rippage. So so I've you got. I told you this story before about the doctor because my normal doctor was actually on vacation when I gave birth. So the the doctor who when I had Miles who had delivered, uh-huh. I tore, and he's literally sewing me up like imagine like a needle and thread going so, up into the air. So, so yeah, like imagine you're, you're Jenny up. in yeah. the stirrups. Oh yeah, and all you can see is the hand going up, up and down, down because the face is the down in the crotch. He's right. like so. You're in radio. <laughs> I sure am. You know, I would really. That's very interesting. I would love to know. You know, I'd love to start listening. Da, 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 da. I'd like to take a tour of the station sometime. Oh, this awkwardness continued the next day when he had to come by to check on my hemorrhoids because oh. I pushed out my oh. child. And he was examining my hemorrhoid situation, continuing like, to talk about radio and how he would very much like to have a tour of the station. Heard your break the other day in <laughs> three, two, one hemorrhoids. <laughs> Ooh, it's a lot. That's an insane. Ooh, joke. anyway, I don't even remember what the question was. Oh, day you would relive. Yeah, so the birth of my daughter. Because I just, I have blips of it, but I would love, it was such an, an incredible moment. I would love to relive it just to experience it one more time. My best friend's wedding. It was just an unbelievable day. We just had so much fun. I got to see all the friends that I hung out with way back in the day. And I danced with a very beautiful girl. It was so fun. I tried putting the Mac down. Did not work. Right. It right. did not work. Right. Yeah. But I love that you tried. <laughs> I love I, oh, I tried. I danced with her. I'm like, this girl's way too hot to be dancing with me. She, you know, I felt like she was feeling it, you know, because we were bumping and right. grinding. Right. No, right. Um, She's shaking her butt up on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you were in cahoots. Back in, that's a St. Louis reference. No one gets that. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm right there with you on the, on the similar mindset. Yeah, my wedding day was my favorite day of my life so far. My wedding, what's cool about, and, and what, I, what I didn't even realize, and, and yeah, there's all the obvious reasons, oh, my wife, no, no, no. No, it's the fact that when, on your wedding day, everybody, 
everybody from so many different points in your life. You know everybody in this room from mm -hmm. so many different parts of your life, and you know that not all these people know each other, but I knew that if all these people, if, this, if these people over here knew these people over here, if they get to talking, they're all going to love each other. And I, it, it's, it's really cool to see. I had friends from, from every, every state and radio station I'd ever worked at, parents, Highlight of the wedding, though, was my mother, who is on her third husband and has no shame in telling you she's on her third husband. And she was like, well, one thing I'm going to do is get a picture with all three of my husbands at the mm -hmm. same time. I've seen that picture. And she did it. And they and they all know my mother. I, I get a lot of my personality from my mother. And so all all the all those men, those very kind men were like, <laughs> yeah, it's Barb. Yeah, yeah, of course she wants. Yeah, let's go. Like and she she was here for it. That's the way to be. There Seriously. Yeah. I've always, I, I'm very lucky to have always had um, very civil parents and step parents and, lucky. and, and, and spouse, yeah, and, or spouses of parents. Cause like that's where I'm at now. It's like my, like my mom, my mom got married. Her current husband is like 2013. I think they got married. So like I'm, at this point, I'm a grown adult. I'm out of my life. And there was, there was, a, there was a conversation had about like, you know, what is our, what is my relationship with my mom's husband? I'm like, it's just that. I don't need you to be my stepdad. I don't need right. you to be a father figure. I got a dad. I got a dad. He does a great job. I love my dad. Mm -hmm. I all I need you to do is keep my mom. If, if my mom's happy, then we are cool, my man. I'm and exactly that's, there that's with all we need to my be. Mom too. And like, well, what do we call each other? You're my mom's husband. Right. You're Mark. It's all good. And and But and, see, I had a stepdad when I was, my first stepdad was when I was eight or nine. So I was very little. Mm -hmm. So he truly was my stepdad do you know like mm -hmm. I and I loved him he would tuck me in you yep. know what I mean he was sure. it was that sort sure. of a relationship yeah yeah because I know my mom was her second like when I was two years old my parents got divorced and I, and that's it's, it's fine it's like it just didn't work out whatever mm -hmm. uh, I I, just, I grew up that's just kind of kind of how I grew you don't up know so any I just different, knew it. really yeah it was it was fine I felt yeah. I remember dating a girl who like we were 18 and her parents were going through a divorce and she was just Devastated. It's totally different. Yeah, welcome to my life. It's, it's it's easy. But then, yeah, my mom's second marriage was like a twenty year marriage, and that was my stepdad growing right, up. Right, totally. What's crazy is we we he's a very different guy. Love him to death. Now, like, well, I just want all the happiness for him. But we didn't really get along great when I was growing up because he's just a very different person. That's for me, me and my stepmom, we didn't either. Just, and I appreciate her now as an adult because I understand. I just understand mom stuff yeah. now. You know, I get it. But he was very he was he was really into technology, even though he was not very technologically skilled. I don't know how to explain, it, but he was just into electronics, even though he didn't understand them and things like that. So it was actually as I became an adult and started my radio career, and I started doing radio stuff. And he's like, "So, well, tell me about this." And he got into real interested in the behind the scenes, mm -hmm. and we actually grew a lot closer. Yeah. When I started telling about all the zings and zaps and dings and, and all the buttons that I pushed every day, he's like. Wow. Yeah, you find the common ground and you roll with it. And your your tower emits a hundred thousand watts of electricity. That's incredible. Like he was he was he was all about the tower. I'm like towers in the middle of the field surrounded by mice. But that's kind of nice. You found a way to connect. Yeah, and then actually, so years later, and then so he and my mom separated. They divorced, and so uh, obviously, and then I lived out of town, so I didn't see him for a long time. Well, his mom, so technically my step grandma, if you want to call her that, but she was all, we were always really close with her. She passed, uh, and so I was living in Columbia at the time, so I made the hour and a half drive to St. Louis for that funeral because I really loved her, and I wanted to pay my respects. And my stepdad, Bob, did not know that I was going to be there. And so my mom brought me over and said, well, babe, Bob, look who's here. 
And I just kind of said, hey. And I went and gave him a hug, just mm-hmm. thinking it was nobody. I was like, I haven't seen you forever. I can't wait to see you and give you a hug and just hope everything's great. And he got emotional. He Aww. couldn't believe that I was there. And he's Aww. like, oh. And I'm like, whoa. Don't cry, I said enough of that. No. I just want to give you a hug and bro it out, dude. Come with on. my stepmom, you know, I can remember two specific things. One is she would never sit with us and eat dinner when we, she would feed all of us kids first and then she would sit and eat her dinner by herself. And I always thought, well, that's anti. Like, she yeah, what a B word. Right. And now I totally get it. She wanted to get all, because I do, I kind of do that. Like, you get everybody else taken care of, and then you can actually sit and enjoy your meal without people asking you for a hundred things. I mean, I completely respect it now. Mm. I get what she did. And the other thing is, is that she was a, just a super, just neat and tidy. And so she would get the kitchen all cleaned up at the end of the night. And then sure enough, you know, we'd want snacks at night or whatever and come up and put cups and dishes and on the counter and leave stuff in the sink or whatever. And she would get so mad about it and now I just didn't get it I was always like well she's such a bitch you know and now and now I'm like oh my god girlfriend just wanted a clean kitchen right <laughs> so I just there's things you just don't understand until you're old she enough. probably even put the toaster away every night you heathen she probably did I mean she was neat and tidy but I, I've told her that as an adult I said listen I just want you to know if I was ever just terrible to you just know that I didn't get it then I get it now I get it <laughs> and she probably really appreciated that she did she that. gave me a big hug she said thank you yeah that's like, a full that's it's a big full circle moment. Full circle moment. I had a full circle moment with my dad recently because, again, I told you my parents were divorced when I was two. So from the time I was two until the time I was 16, my dad would only see me four days a month. It's crazy. And then, and he was real good about because, you know, he would have to pay certain child support, but that child support was dependent on me going out there to see him. But at 16, I got a job. We started working at the grocery store, bagging groceries. And he understood that he was going to lose most weekends, but he was proud that I had to work. So he, he never raised a fuss about that or anything. And I just remember finally speaking to my dad as a, as a man and just going, dude, I don't know if I could only see my kid. Could you imagine only seeing your kid no. four days a month? No, because coming from a divorced family, um, I had to do Mondays and Tuesdays with my mom, Wednesdays and Thursdays with my dad, and yeah. I alternated weekends. And um, I think that's why I'm the mom and the adult I am is that. Like, honest to God, Matthew would have to be a serial killer or cheat on me with like six different women to, for me to. Right. Dissolve my marriage. Do you like, know what like, I mean? Like, like I four treasure... women is is okay, but it's once, totally fine, once but we, when hit we hit six, six right. that's probably a deal breaker. Good no. for you, Matthew. You, you what a, what a deal. It would it would take, but I married I married someone that I, I don't worry about that with. Right. You know, but I but I am my mar- I treasure my marriage, and I mm. I mean that's why like he married the right woman because I would never and I people are like you can never say never. I'm telling you right now, I would never cheat on him mm-hmm. or do anything terrible because I treasure it so much, and I would never want to split my family up. For myself, but also for my kids. Right. And also you love him. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. If you, oh my God, if you did that, Mm. I'm going to look you in the eyes. I would be so disappointed in you. I I couldn't look at you as the same person. Same if I were having, like, what if I were so dumb? Yeah. If I did that to Katie, like, I don't think we could do a show anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. We couldn't. Yeah, because I there it would it would ruin ruin everything. it. It really would ruin everything. But I would never. I mean, it's just not even in my brain like that's not even a thing so boy this this conversation is just really gone so many different ways like for real like cheating on someone is like the most disrespectful thing you could ever do yep and i've and i'm telling and i can tell i've been open about that on this podcast i've been on both sides of it Mm -hmm. and i understand i do i understand why it happens um particularly with i think with couples where they didn't get it out of their system and didn't mm-hmm. get to experience life when they were younger. And so then they get married young and then they, they just always have that curiosity. I think mm-hmm. that happens a lot. 
I'm yeah. not defending it. Just, I just think that I can see why that happens. Yeah, you're not saying it's okay, but you you understand the reason. And and just and look, you can say, of course, everyone knows that there are evil temptations mm-hmm. in the world, but. Evil temptations, just because you know they're evil temptations, doesn't mean that they're easy to say no to. You yeah, know, there totally. are temptations, a real thing. My mom's been divorced a couple times, and it's like I understand why, because there was such, she she just really didn't think clearly when she married the people she did. She didn't, and yeah. I can we can look at it now in hindsight, and like both of us dissect it and say, mm-hmm. oh my god, like how like the fact that she and my dad were actually a couple is mind blowing to me because they they are the most opposite people in every way, shape, and form that you could possibly imagine. Like the fact mm-hmm. that they were. At, it is a miracle that I am here. <laughs> I agree. There's no way. Yeah, you know, you you really got to know both of them, so you. Can no, I'm see. saying I agree because we enjoy your the presence of your company. Oh, well, it's thank a miracle you. that you're yeah, here. You. No, it's a miracle. Try to be nice. But anyway, I I just think that um, when you when you treasure it, when you respect it, when you when you wait, and I encourage that too, and waiting to get married too. I tell my kids like I tell my kids that now, and they're only nine and eleven. But I'm like seriously, like like even like my, my daughter's eleven. She has some a girlfriend that's eleven, twelve, and she's already talking about having a boyfriend and this and that. And I'm like, girl, you do not even need to be messing with that right now. Just she's wait. close. She, totally, and like okay, fine, like go out and have a date at some point, but. There's so much life to live and enjoy that chunk of your life. Because once you do settle down and then have kids, it's really, it's a whole different ballgame. Happy to be in it. I love the life I'm living, but I definitely But you started it late too, yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's the way to go. Anyway. I have, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation Sainsies. today. How you feel, Tater? Good conversation? I'm happy with this conversation. I feel like, I feel a little warmth cockles in my heart after this conversation. Sure, why gosh darn it. What? <laughs> Jenny was talking about how she wouldn't know what to do if she was single, oh, like now in life. Jeez. But the funniest thing is, like, uh, so on the dating apps, they're like, don't don't swipe right on me. I'm not trying to have uh, a like relationship with you and your wife. I guess, like, there's open marriages or whatever. They oh, just, yeah. and I'm like, it, I see it a lot. I'm like, so I guess people don't cheat on each other. They're just like, let's just bring someone into the fold. It's like, whoa, what? Here's the thing with that. <laughs> I just don't know why you got married then. I don't. Exactly. It's don't so weird. That. It's just, but I mean, that's the world we live in now. I but, guess people are open about but it. But I also think that we should normalize not getting married and that, that that's not for everyone. Kind mm-hmm. of like how some pe- uh, couples choose to be childless. Mm-hmm. That's, if you know that about yourself, you know what I mean? If you know, or even with the, just the marriage thing, like if you know, I'm not sure, I'm not so sure I can just be with this one person for the rest of my life. Then just don't, don't get married, but be honest with yourself about what your goals are. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. That's a, that's a great, yeah. I feel, and I, and you know, I, and you and I, Jenny disagree on this. I feel that way about college. Right. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think everyone, should, you're pushing every single high school student to graduate high school and go to college. That is just not the correct advice for everyone. No, I think bottom line is in life. It's not one size fits all for everyone. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, are, are you ready for like the most wild stat you've ever heard in your life? We're 55 minutes into this conversation. Yeah, that's a lot. We yeah. have a lot to talk about today. I know. And Jenny, you still got like some commercials to produce, so we oh, should I probably... Yeah, it's all good. Hey, thank you for listening. We, we hope your cockle feels as warm as ours does. Hey. That's what she said. <laughs>